This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. I want to continue uh, this morning talking about walk with me. And that's what Jesus is saying to you and to me, to walk with him. It's so important that we do. And a lot of the problems and issues that we have in life may very well be because we're not walking close enough because he's always trying to reveal something, show us something, reveal some secrets to us and help us to make right choices and give us discernment and all. And I want to encourage you, you know, to really make it a point to walk really close with Jesus. Listen to what it says here in Psalms 143, verse 8. It says, the psalmist is saying, let me hear of your unfailing love to me in the morning. You know, somehow starting our day walking with God is what he's saying here. Let me hear of your unfailing love to me in the morning. For I am trusting you. Show me where to walk. You ever walked in an area that you shouldn't have been in? Show me where to walk, for I have come to you in prayer. It's a good way to start your day, to come to God in prayer. Instead of coming at the end of the day and saying, oh, God, it was a terrible day. You know, you go to him in the morning and, and ask him, show me where to walk, for I have come to you in prayer. Prayer, talking, you know, with God is the key to walking with him. Because of reason I can encourage you to get up and walk with God. You know, take a little walk with him. It can just be a little small one, but that's where you talk to him and you, you get your priorities right. And you, you put him first above everything else and things happen in amazing ways. I really believe that there are miracles waiting for each and every one of us if we find ourselves in the right place with God. Sometimes we're just not in the right place because we're distracted, you know, from uh, what he'd have us to do. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 19 says, the Lord Almighty is my strength. You know who I'm talking about? I'm not talking about some historical figure. I'm talking about my closest friend. The Lord Almighty is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer. And he makes me walk on the mountains, his mountains, his high places. He makes me walk there and, and, and talk with him there. Let me read it to you out of the Amplified Bible. It says, the Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, my invincible army. You ever need that kind of strength? <laughs> he makes my feet like hinds feet. That's deer feet. And he will make me to walk, not stand still in terror, he don't want you being controlled by fear about the future, what might happen, this, that, and another. He says uh, he'll make me to walk, not stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places. And the high places are different than you think they are. When you're having trouble and suffering, you're going through difficult times, you think this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And he says... And make me, make me to walk and make spiritual progress on my high places of trouble. When you go through trouble, 
God can cause spiritual progress to take place in your life and make spiritual progress upon the high places of trouble, suffering, or responsibility. In those difficult times, I can make spiritual progress. We can advance. When the devil's telling you, you're going down. Say, no, sir. I'm making spiritual progress in these difficult times. I'm telling you, when you're walking with God, and when you, you, you spend time with him and let him show you where to walk, you know. Isaiah 35, verse 8, it says, it tells us it's the highway of holiness. The highway of holiness. And I'm telling you something about holiness. I'm not talking about a, a religion. I'm talking about just staying clean. And God's got so much that we can grab a hold of when we're clean. But he's talking about spending time with him in the high places, this high way of holiness. Have you ever felt a tug to spend time with God? Anybody here ever felt the tugs? Like, I need to spend a little bit of time with God. I feel it all the time. You know, not just early in the, oh, dark 30 in the morning, but I feel that tug. It's like, God's got something to tell me. He's got something to share with me that would change my life or, or my family's life or our church's life. And I'm telling a man or a woman who would just like respond to that tug to, to walk. And it don't have to be on the mountains. It can be in your yard. It can be in your house. It can be sitting in your car, you know. But I'm talking about this tug to walk on the, the high places with God. And you can just be sitting and walking on those high places, just spending time with God. It says in Philippians, I'm sorry, it says in Psalms 119, verse 8, it says, I will obey your principles. Please don't give up on me. I don't know if, have you ever said a prayer like that to God? Because maybe something you did and you know you shouldn't have did it and you feel like maybe you let him down and maybe it wasn't the first or even the second time. Have you ever uttered a prayer that's just like, God, please don't give up on me. I'm going to tell you something. He will never, ever give up on you. Ever. His son died for you. I will obey your principles. Please don't give up on me. And he won't. And Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you. You know what a yoke is. Take my yoke upon you. Team up with me, he's saying here. Walk with me. Take my yoke upon you and, and let me teach you because I'm humble and I'm gentle and you'll find rest for your soul. And lots of times we don't have rest. For our soul, there's a turmoil going in, going on on the inside of our, our 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 soulish realm, our mind, our thinking faculties, our emotions, and all. According to medical authorities, walking is one of the most profitable forms of physical exercise. It stimulates the heart and lungs, strengthens the bones and muscles, increases the blood flow throughout your whole body, and it contributes to the loss of excessive weight. Because of its multiple values, we're encouraged to leave our cars in the garage and enjoy, even in cold weather, I think, 
and to enjoy the exercise of walking. And may I add, walking with God is the best walk you will ever take. Physically, walking is fantastic for you in every way. But spiritually, it is awesome. It is amazing. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. It says, physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important. Much, much, much more valuable. Physical exercise, we all need to do some of it. But the Bible says spiritual exercise brings about a spiritual progress. Hanging out with God, spending time with God, talking to God, listening to God. Man, it it changes things. It's more important for it promises a reward for both this life and the next. The, The spiritual rewards affect us now and in the hereafter. Verse 9 says, this is true and everyone should accept it. Walking with God, it means progress. When you spend time with God, you are going to progress. And I'm talking about spiritual progress, not only physical, but spiritual progress. And you go to a whole nother level in your relationship with God and learn to hear his voice a little bit clearer and be on the cutting edge of what God's doing in our generation. That's what I'm talking about here. You know, do you want more of God? I do. Are you willing to pay a price for it? Yes. I'm going to tell you, every morning when my clock goes off at 5.15, I hit it one time. It gives me about six or seven minutes, and I don't want to get up. I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes I go to bed like you guys do. I could have been late. As soon as I get outside and see the Big Dipper, you know, the Big Dipper comes up a lot earlier than the sun does. It's just like, thank you, God, for getting me out here. And he gives us insight and revelation for what's going to affect us today. It's like, thank you, God. This is amazing. This is wonderful. Now, walking with God makes you progress, makes you have spiritual Progress. It genuinely does. Now, I have a, a grandson. His name is Judson. He's the youngest, Thomas, and got to spend some time with him a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I'll probably see him tomorrow. And guess what he wants to do? One of his passions. He wants to walk. <laughs> he didn't walk, Jeff. Oh, the, he did take two steps when ain't nobody watching because he was coming to me. I'm telling you the truth. It's just the way it was. And I think maybe I'll see him take some steps tomorrow. But he wants to walk with, with Grandpa, you know. And I'm going to tell you something. I want to walk with God every day of my life. And I'm not talking about some religious experience of some kind. I'm talking about walking with somebody who I love, who has given me insight in some things, who's changed my life and is constantly changing my life. I want to walk with him. I really do. Uh, the first step in walking with God is salvation. And before we walk, 
we stand. And before we stand, we crawl. And before we crawl, we must be born. And that's the same thing it is walking with God. In the book of John, chapter 3, verse 7, it says, you must be uh, born again. Sure, we've died of our sinful self and our own interest and all, and we come alive to God. We're born, and, and then we begin to spiritually crawl, and, and, and then we begin to spiritually stand and take in a stand, and, and then we begin to walk, and we can walk with God. And I'm going to tell you, that's absolutely fantastic and spectacular when you begin to walk with God. Let me finish up here. In, in Matthew 11, verse 30, it says, where Jesus had said, take my yoke upon you. Here in Matthew 11, 30, he says, for my yoke fits perfectly. You ever bought some clothes that didn't fit you right? I mean, some people have made clothes that supposed to fit me right, and they made them wrong, and they're too tight. You ever got something like that? They, they made them wrong. But Jesus said, for my yoke fits perfectly. When we get yoked up to him, we're, we're walking beside him. We're, we're connected with him. And he says, my yoke fits perfectly. And the burden I give you is light. It might seem heavy in the beginning. But the burden, what he has given us to carry in life, is light. It will never overwhelm us. And sometimes we carry stuff that God never intended us to carry. When we get yoked up to him... He carries it. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord, uh, walking with God will, will uh, cause us to proceed at God's pace. Well, you ever get in a hurry? God don't never get in a hurry. Never has he gotten in a hurry. Has he ever gotten a hurry answering your prayers? Usually not. But he comes around and he answers and he helps us in our times of need. He says, but those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. We're waiting on him. That means we're not getting behind him. We're not getting ahead of him. Those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like an eagle. How would you like to learn how to soar in your relationship with God? You'll fly high on wings like eagles, and they will run. Not only walk with God, but they will, we will run and not grow weary. We'll get done what he wants us to do, and it won't wear us out. And they will walk and not faint. And I promise you this, you will never have to walk alone. Never will you have to walk alone. He will never abandon you. It says in Hebrews 13, 5, it says, For God has said... I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. And he knows you. He knows when you may fail and you may forsake him. But he promises, I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. That is why we can say with confidence, that's assurance, the Lord is my helper. So I will not be afraid. I read this verse here. I'm going to read now last week. And it's just such an awesome, powerful verse. It says, there is no one like the God of Israel. He is awesome. And if you knew my God, you'd be crazy about him. 
If, if you knew him, if you had an introduction, if you spent time with him, you know, if he, he causes the earth to just do its thing, spin, and he keeps the north star in one location and all the other stars revolve around it. And he causes the sun to come up every day, whether you see it or not. He is amazing. He answers prayers. He is hungry to answer your prayers if you and I would be hungry enough to spend time with him. It says, there is no one like the God of Israel. He, he, God, he rides across the heavens to help you. God rides across the heavens to help you, across the skies in majestic splendor. The eternal God is your refuge. He's your protection. And his everlasting arms are where? Under you. you. His everlasting arms are under you. You. Hey, Mike. How you doing? How are you doing? You have a little difficulty walking at times? Can I get you to come here? God says his everlasting arms are under us. Hey, can I get you to help me, Scott? I want you to get a hold of his elbow here. Just hold him up. Get on that elbow. We're just going to walk across here. Just take a little bit of weight off of him there. It would be nice if you had people like this all day. Yeah. Angels. Okay, let's turn around. Okay. You got him here? Okay, let's go. Now, what if Almighty God was to come along and not just help carry the burden physically? What if he started carrying the burden spiritually and bringing transformation to body, soul, and spirit? Life would be a lot different. Well, Lord, we just ask you to bless our brother and make life a lot different for him. And we know that you're there. You're helping to undergird our brother with your power and continue to show your love to him in awesome and amazing ways. In Jesus' name. Yeah, I want you to take this back. And Scott, would you welcome back to his chair back there? Thank you, Pastor. Would you give uh, this brother a hand for helping me out here? Listen to what it says here. It says, the eternal God is your refuge and his everlasting arms are where? Under where? Under you. Not somebody else. Under Mike, under Scott, under you. His everlasting arms are there to walk with us. To, to lift us up. Whatever you're dealing with in life right now. And it may just be not knowing what to do. His everlasting arms are under you. The Bible says his everlasting arms. So when we, well, I don't really have the time, the energy to, to walk with God. I'm going to tell you, he is going to lift you. He's going to help you every step of the way. He says he will never abandon you. He will never forsake you. He's going to help you. He didn't say life is going to be easy, but it's doable. And it's so much more doable with him there. 
with us. Psalms 40, verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry, and he lifted me out of the pit of despair. Have you ever felt like you was in the pits? What about the pit of despair? You ever felt like you was there? He says, he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire and the, the, the sin that tries to pull us down like quicksand. He set my feet on solid ground and he steadied me as I walked along. As I walked along with him, he steadied me because his everlasting arms, just like we demonstrated with Mike there, his everlasting arms is, is helping us every step of the way. He promises to be there for us and to help us. Now, I'll give you a little guideline if you want a close relationship with God. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Don't misunderstand me when I say this. He wants us to have a relationship with everybody so we can share our faith with them, but you cannot be buddy-buddy with people who are unholy and who do not believe in God and don't believe in his principles. You can have a relationship to share your faith with them and love them enough to share your faith, but you can't just be buddy-buddy and learn their ways. You understand what happens when you learn people's ways that don't believe in who are wicked or evil? It says it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 33. It is true. You may not like it. I may not like it, but it's true. Bad company corrupts good character. You hang around with bad people, bad character, you know, and you're not sharing your faith with them. You're just hanging around, doing what they do, watching what they watch, drinking what they drink, smoking what they smoke, being like them. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. You can have a relationship to share your faith with them, but you can't just be best buddies and learn their ways. This is would compromise my walk with God if I was walking in the world. And he goes on to say here, let me go back to 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can goodness be a partner with wickedness? And how can light live with darkness? And then Deuteronomy 29, 19. It says, let none of those who hear the warnings of this curse, and that was in Deuteronomy chapter 28, you saw all the curse, and it says, let none of those who hear the warnings of this curse consider themselves immune, thinking, I'm safe, even though I am walking in my own stubborn way. I'm walking in my own stubborn I'm not going to do it to Bible. I'm not going to do it godly people. You know, I'm immune. That stuff don't bother me. He says, let none of you who hear the warnings of this curse consider themselves immune, thinking, I'm safe even though I'm walking in my own stuff for a way. This would lead to utter ruin, he says there. The Bible says there is a way that seems right. It ends in death, and we just got to choose. I want to walk with you, God. What happens if you drive on the wrong side of the road? Not good. You're going to hurt somebody, you're going to hurt yourself. I'm in a free country, I can do whatever I want to. No, you can't. You can't do that long. You really can't. It's for our own benefit. Amos 3.3 says, Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? To walk with God means that you agree on going in God's direction. In God's way, his direction is always the best way. 
and we choose to go contrary to his way, it ain't good for us. And you won't be walking with him if you choose not to go his way. You're going to be walking on your own. And he don't abandon you, but we can abandon him. We can turn our back on God because we want to do and say and eat and drink and sleep and watch and, and the things that God says, those are, those are really bad for you. Job chapter 18, verse 8, it says, The wicked walk into a net. So if you hang around with the wicked, just buddy, 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 what's going to happen? You're going to walk into a net. The wicked walk into a net. And we just got through reading, how can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? So if you just buddy, buddy with the wicked, it means that you agree with them. That's what it says. That's what the Bible says there. It says the wicked walk into a net. The wicked walk into a net. They fall into a pit that's been dug in the path. So if we're just hanging around the wicked, we're going to walk into a net. It's a web, like a big old spider web, and we're going to fall into a pit. And it says, and a trap grabs them by the heel. If we're hanging around with the wicked, we're going to be grabbed by the heel. A noose tightens around them. Don't walk with those who are walking where snares and traps and nooses and webs are at. It says in verse 10, a snare lies hidden in the ground. Rope lies coiled on their path. Terrors surround the wicked and trouble them at every stop. Don't walk with the wicked because all these things the Bible says will be there to catch them, to entrap them, to snare them. And these terrorists will surround them with a lot of trouble. And if we walk with the wicked, I'm not talking about having a relationship where I can tell them about the forgiveness of Almighty God. When we buddy-buddy and we just become like the wicked, it entraps us and it ensnares us. And if you want to walk with God, you can't, you can't walk left and right at the same time. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15, it says, What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? You think we should put some statues and idols in here? I don't think so. And he goes on to say, For we are the temple of the living God. You are the temple of the living God. So don't put anything that's corrupt and, and, and dark and evil in your own ways Inside of you, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them. Talking about you. I will live in them and walk among them. Talking about with us. I will be their God. He's really talking about me. I'll be his God. You think that relates to you too? I think if you believe it does, it does. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them, separate yourselves from them, the, the, the works of darkness, says the Lord, and don't touch the dog poo. <laughs> Would you consider dog poo a filthy thing? I was actually going to bring some tonight, but I didn't. I have done that before. Haven't I? He says, don't touch their filthy things. Are you touching filthy things right now? I mean, if we're going to hold hands and pray, and I say, have you touched any filthy things recently? And people go, you did? What was it? You know? You don't want to be corrupt. You don't want to be contaminated by it. Don't touch their filthy things. 
because touching filthy things hinders my walk with God. He says, don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Not half mighty, not 90% mighty. I'm talking about the Lord Almighty says he'll be your He'll be your father to you and he'll take care of you and you can walk with him and he knows everything about you and he'll never abandon you and he'll meet your needs according to his riches and glory. There's just so much he promises. But there's some, there's some wicked stuff that corrupts us and the devil will see to it. There's a lot of that stuff coming your way so you can't have a close walk with God. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, for Verse 25, it says, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted. I see four men unbound walking around in the fire. You remember how many people stood in the fire? What was their name? And the fire was heated seven times hotter, mainly because they wouldn't worship a golden image. And if they didn't worship this golden image, Nebuchadnezzar was going to have the fire, the furnace heated seven times hotter and throw them in it. And they, he gave them another chance. So Nebuchadnezzar gave them another They said, we don't need another chance, Nebuchadnezzar. We will never bow down to your golden image and worship it. We have the living God. And he is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't deliver us, we still will never worship your false image. That's what they said. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound. They tied Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. They tied them up. says, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire. They aren't even hurt by the flames. And the fourth looks like a divine being. Another translation says, looks like the son of God. I'm going to tell you something. Walking through the fire is possible if you're walking with God. Walking through the water is possible if you're walking with God. And even walking on the water is possible. Ask Peter when you're walking with Jesus. It makes a difference. And he, throughout his word, you will see Jesus is saying, come walk with me. Come walk with me. Make time for me. Seek first God and his kingdom and everything you have need of. He's going to take care of you. That is an awesome, fantastic promise. Isaiah 43, verse 1, it says, The Lord who created you says, Do not be afraid, for I have what? You understand ransom? You ever seen movies, somebody got kidnapped and all? Then you got to come and bring, you got to bring a bag of money and ransom them, you know? And there ain't no $1 bills in there either. Ransom. You're going to pay the ransom. How much ransom? Well... I better not put too much out. I got to be able to grab it before you do at the end of the service. (laughs) But you know something? There are people who have paid ransom to get their loved ones back. But nobody has ever paid as high of a ransom to get a loved one back than Jesus did. He says in his worth, he paid a ransom. There's a ransom. (laughs) And it was prophesied, it was, you know, Declared before it ever happened. That's what I'm talking about. The Lord who created you says, do not be afraid. I have ransomed you, which means I've made payment to release you and to set you free. And I'm going to tell you what he paid was more than 
pictures of dead presidents on pieces of paper. He gave his very life. Jesus gave his life to set you free from everything that tries to bind you and hinder you and hold you back. He said, I've called you by name. God knows your name. He knows your middle name. And he knows your nickname. I have called you by name. You are mine. And when you go through the deep waters and great trouble, ever been there? I will be with you. You will never do it alone. And when you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. And the flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord. What's that next word? Your God. Your God. He has given himself to you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. He wants to walk with you. He wants you to talk to him. He wants to talk to you. He wants to put you on the cutting edge. He wants to give you advice before you need it. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He wants you to walk with him, and I sure want to walk with him. I sure do. He says he's the Holy One, so if we play with dog poop, we're probably not going to hold his hand. We're going to be contaminated and corrupted. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, Blesses the man who doesn't walk in. The wicked say, well, do you do this? I'll do this. I'll do, I'll do this. Blessed is the man or the woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, hanging around just in a sinful crowd, listening to the dirty jokes, participating with them, becoming like them. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. See, you can't walk with God and hold his hand and hold the devil's hand at the same time. Just can't do that. It just don't work, you know. You remember Lot? He tried to walk with God, and he wanted to stay down there in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he wanted to hold the devil's hand. And his wife sure wanted to do that. Remember what happened to her? She did what? She became a pillow soft. And our ushers, we have our ushers out there. When people leave, y'all get some little buckets to be at the door. We're going to give you all. You ain't going to charge you a thing for it. We're going to give you all a little package of salt. When you leave, ushers, don't, don't let me forget that. Because it will remind you of Lot and his wife trying to hold on to God and trying to hold on to the wicked ways of Sodom and Gomorrah too. And she became a pillar of salt. She rebelled against Almighty God, that's what, that's what happened, you know. Now, cows, and I've, I've been around cows all my life, cows nibble their way to being lost. There's a little bit of grass over here, a little tuft of grass over there. There's another little tuft of grass over there. There's a little tuft of grass here. There's a little tuft of grass over there close to the fence. There's another little tuft of grass through the fence. And before you know it, the cow is like, I'm lost. How'd I get here? <laughs> Chasing them little tufts of grass. And see, we can chase stuff and find ourselves in a lost state. And we're frightened and we're fearful. It goes on here in verse 2. 
We was reading Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. Now we're going to read Psalms chapter 1, verse 2. It says, but his delight, <laughs> the person who is not going to mess with the, the wicked stuff, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, God's word. And on his law, he meditates. When? Day and night. And Joshua says, if you'll meditate on God's word day and night, you will prosper in all that you set your hand to. And you will succeed in everything you set your hand to. When you're walking with God on a daily basis and you're meditating upon the principles he teaches you, he tells you, you shall prosper in everything and succeed in everything. It's Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 and 9. Read it for yourself. That's what he promises us. Genesis chapter 5. This is a striking personality in the Old Testament. Genesis 25, 24 says, Enoch, he walked with God. I'm talking about awesome, amazing relationship that Enoch had with God. It says Enoch walked with God and then he was no more because God took him away. Ultimately, God took him home. Have you ever heard in the Bible of what is referred to as the rapture? Raise your hand. The catching away where the body of Christ will be caught up to be with the Lord there. They won't have to die. This was the first prototype of that. Shows us an example because he walked with God. He had an awesome relationship with God. Let me read it to you out of the New Living Translation, verse 24, Genesis 5, 24. It says, he enjoyed a what? Close relationship with God throughout his life. Yes! Not just when I'm getting close to dying and some preachers come by and they teach me a song and I sing a hymn or a song for a couple of weeks and then I, I go to heaven. That's not what he's talking about. I'm going to tell you, you miss it out on so much if you wait till the last moment. It says he enjoyed a close relationship with God throughout his life. And then suddenly he disappeared. He was caught away because God took him. He didn't have to die. Just God took him. He loved God. He had a relationship with God. And because he enjoyed that relationship and he walked with God on a daily basis, one day God said, listen, let's just go home to my house. Instead of your house, and it's getting dark. You want to go to bed? Just come to my house for tonight. He didn't know. The, uh, Enoch didn't know it never got dark in heaven. It wasn't night there. So he went with God and the sun never went down. And he's still there. That's what the Bible tells us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, this is the New Testament explanation of what happened with Enoch. It says in Hebrews 11, 5, it was by faith that, what's that guy's name? Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him, but before he was taken up, he was approved as to pleasing God. And he pleased God by faith in him. He trusted him. And it says in the next verse, you've heard us quoted so many times, Hebrews 11, 6. So you see, it's impossible to please God without faith. To walk with God, it takes faith, you see. It's so important. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. It is possible to walk close in a relationship with God. It is possible for every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room and those watching online, it is possible for you to walk close to God and to have a sneak preview, to have the inside line on everything, to know what you ought to do. It is possible. 
but we got to spend a little bit of time with him, you know. We got to spend time with him. And, and, and I'm talking about walking and growing and abounding. But some folks would rather sit and soak and sour. You can walk with God and grow and, and abound the abundant life. Or you can just sit and soak and sour. Are you a sour person? I'm not asking you, I'm asking the people around you. Is he or don't answer that question. Now, I'm not going to sing it, but there is a song. It's an old hymn I used to sing. I'll give you just a little teeny tiny piece of it. It goes, what a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms, like Mike was doing earlier, leaning on the everlasting arms, walking with Jesus. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, Leaning on the everlasting arms. Someone walking with Jesus. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning. I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. Talking about walking with Jesus. This is an old hymn. I'll just do one more little piece of it. Oh, how sweet to walk. In this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arms. That's what I'm walking with Jesus. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms. That's what I'm walking with Jesus. Maybe we should do one more. The other course, leaning, leaning, leaning on my Savior, leaning, I'm leaning, I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. Listen to the next part. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Let's take a break here for a second. Let's look at what it says in Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. The verse in that old song says, what have I to dread? What have I to fear? What's the answer to that? Nothing. The devil is the one who tries to get you fearful and full of anxiety. It's him who wants to make you think that the worst is just right around the corner. And he is a liar from the pits of hell. You know that's the truth. And God says he has not given you the spirit of fear, but he's given you the spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. And when you walk with God, you're walking with Mr. Awesome, Fantastic, Almighty, All-Knowing, All-Powerful. And he has to take care of you. That's what I'm talking about. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. Someone walking with Jesus, just in case you forgot. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms. I'm leaning on his arms. He is sustaining me. He is helping me. And then the, let's do that little chorus one more time. Leaning, leaning, lean, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. I saw my walking with Jesus. And we did the whole song anyhow. I'm sorry about that, you know. We will discover along with Enoch 
how wonderful walking in the presence of Almighty God is. I'm talking about the pleasure of, and the joy and the insight and, and, and the wonderfulness. Adam and Eve, you know, used to take a walk. How many husbands and wives ever take a walk together? That is a poor sign, a show of hands. That is, that is terrible. Oh, Lord, please bless these marriages. Pour your spirit out upon them in Jesus' name. Adam and Eve used to take a walk in the cool of the day, and they walked with God. Do you know that? Every morning, listen to what it says here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. It says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man, Adam, and his wife, Eve, heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And instead of running to him, if, if God showed up in your backyard waiting for you to come out and hang out with him in the early morning and watch the sunrise and all, it's like, God, here I come, wait, I'm, I'm on the way. But it says here, and, and they heard the Lord walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord among the trees. That's what sin causes us to do. That's what hanging out with wickedness causes us to do. We don't want to walk with God in the cool of the morning. Sin makes us feel guilty and we think God's upset and mad at us and he's going to zap us or something. He'll forgive us. But see, sin causes you to hide out. Let me share a little story. I know our time is just about up, but I want to share a little story about the race. Whenever I start to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall is broken by the memory of a race. A children's race, young boys, young men. How I remember wealth, excitement, sure, but also fear. It wasn't hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope, each sought to win that race. Or tie for first, or if not that, at least take second place. Their parents watched from off the side, each cheering for their son. And each boy hoped to show his folks that he would be the one. The whistle blew and off they flew like chariots of fire to win, to be the hero there was each young boy's desire. One boy in particular, whose dad was in the crowd, was running in the lead and thought, my dad will be so proud. But as he speeded down the field and crossed a shallow dip. The little boy who thought he'd win lost his step and slept. Trying hard to catch himself, his arms flew every place. And midst the laughter of the crowd, he fell flat on his face. And as he fell, his hope fell too. He couldn't win it now. Humiliated, he just wished to disappear somehow. But as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face which to the boys so clearly said, get up and win that race. He quickly rose, no damage done, behind a bit, that's all, and ran with all his might, mind and might to make up for his fall. So anxious to restore himself, to catch up and to win, his mind went faster than his legs and he slipped and fell again. He wished that he had quit before with only one disgrace. I'm hopeless as a runner now. I shouldn't try to race. But through the laughing crowd, he searched and found his father's face, 
with a steady look that said again, get up and win that race. So he jumped up to try again, 10 yards behind the last. If I'm to gain those yards, he thought, I've got to run real fast. Exceeding everything he had, he regained eight, then 10, but trying hard to catch the lead, he slipped and fell again. <sighs> Defeat, he lay there silently. A tear dropped from his eye. There's no sense running anymore. Three strikes. I'm out. Why try? I've lost. So what's the use? He thought. I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who soon he'd have to face. Get up. An echo sounded low. You haven't lost it all. For all you have to do to win is rise each time you fall. Get up. The echo urged him on. Get up and take your place. You were not meant for failure here. Get up and win that race. So up he rose to run once more, refusing to forfeit. And he resolved that win or lose, at least he wouldn't quit. So far behind the others now, the most he'd ever been. Still he gave it all he had and ran like he could win. Three times he'd fallen stumbling. Three times he rose again. Too far behind to hope to win, he still ran to the end. They cheered another boy who crossed the line and won first place. Head high and proud and happy, no falling, no disgrace. But when the fallen youngster crossed the line in last place, the crowd gave him a greater cheer for finishing the race. And even though he came in last with head bowed low, unproud, you would have thought he'd won the race to listen to that crowd. And to his dad, he sadly said, I didn't do so well. To me, you won, his father said. You rose each time you fell. And now, when things seem dark and fleek and difficult to face, the memory of that little boy helps me in my own race. For all of life is like that race with ups and downs and all. And all you have to do is win, to do is, to do is to win, is rise each time you fall. And when depression and despair shout loudly in your face, another voice within me says, get up and win that phrase. And I'm going to tell you, God's with you. And he is walking with you. And your father's voice will always say, get up and win that race. It don't matter how many times you've been down. It's time to get up and win that race. It's time to get up and win that race. And I want to challenge you right now, whoever you are, wherever you from, it's time to get up and not listen to the old devil, old dirtbag no longer. It's time to get up and it's time to walk with Jesus. It's time to hang out with him and to see his sunrise. Or even you can just look up there and see all the clouds that's trying to block that sunrise, but you know it's shining on the other side, don't you? And Jesus is crazy about you. He loves you. He wants to whisper things into your ear. He wants to give you some ideas and some thoughts that you had never thought about. And I'm telling you from Almighty God, he's saying, get up and win the race. There's a race that is set before us that we may have fallen once or twice or a hundred times, but it's time to get up. 
and walk with him and win the race that is yet before us. He's got something special and spectacular for you. And one of the greatest is, is to walk with him and to get to know him better. And it, joy and joy like Enoch did, a close relationship with Almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who is all-knowing, most high, all-powerful, and he loves you and he's crazy about you. He wants to spend time with you. And if you can hear the voice of Almighty God, if you can hear Jesus saying to you right now something, I think you would hear him say, walk with me. Walk with me. He's not ashamed of you. He forgives you. And he says, walk with me. Our time is up. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Oh, what he endured so our sins can be forgiven. And Father, help us to understand not to take the gift he's given us for granted and not to treat it lightly. Help us, Father, to resist temptation. Help us to live and to walk on the highways of holiness. Help us not to touch the filthy things, that old dog poo spiritually. Help us not to get corrupt and contaminated that hinders us and our children. Help us to choose to walk right, close to God. Help us this day, almighty God, to get up and run that race and win that race on the highways of holiness. Bless my brothers and sisters here. Cause faith to rise in their soul. Give them a dream for what you want them to do, what you want them to invest their time, energy, and resources the rest of their life in to make an eternal difference while we are yet here. Bless these men. Bless these women. Bless these boys and girls and those who are watching us online. Lord, reveal yourself to each and every one of us in a dimension that we've not ever known you before. Have your way in us. And I would ask you right now to reaffirm your faith in Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've never done that. You've never given your all over to Christ. And I don't ever usually do, do this, but I'm going to ask if, if you would reaffirm your faith in Christ or you would let Christ come into your life for the first time, or you want to get back right with him, and you want to f connect with him, I'm going to ask you, just going to take just a, f a minute or so, instead of just only bowing your head, I'm going to have you unbow your head. And if you just want all that God has in store for you, I want you to bow your head again once you get around this altar. If you want more of God in your life, you want to make things right with you. You want to go to a whole nother level in your relationship to God, and you want to walk with him in a dimension you've never known before. It don't mean that you ain't been close to God, but you want more. I'm just going to ask you to come and gather around this altar area here, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dismiss. So if that's you, you're making a statement right now by saying, I want more God in my life. I want everything that God has for me. I want it right now in my life. So if that's you, come on around the altar. At least get as close as you can and don't steal my money while you're up here. Right? <laughs> Let's bow our heads once you're up here and you've got a safe place to be. Father, I just thank you. I want more of you in my life. I surely do. 
I ask that you'd reveal yourself to me in dimensions I don't know you in right yet. I want to get closer to you than I've ever been. Hear your voice more clearly than I've ever heard. And Father, there's men and women who have gathered here around us. And Father, that's the cry of our heart. We want more of you in our life. Just a closer walk with you. Grant it, almighty God, a closer walk with you. We've, we know we've fallen. We've, we know we've slipped up. And we ask that you'd forgive us. Forgive us all, Lord, for whatever it is that we've ever done that has displeased you. But forgive us right now and cleanse us. And Father, we choose spiritually to stand up. We choose to gain spiritual progress. We choose to be hand in hand with you. We choose to be yoked up to you. We choose to think about your word and your ways and to meditate on it. And you promised we would succeed and prosper in everything when we did. Lord, we are unashamed to take a stand for you, to live the rest of our life for you. We hear your voice saying, walk with me. And we're saying, yes, Lord, we're going to walk with you. That's what we want to do. So now, as our heads are bowed, I would ask you all, if you would join me in a simple prayer, would you pray with me now? Dear Heavenly Father, I want more of you. I want more of you in my life. I surrender my all, my past, my present, and my future. And I want more of you. I receive your mercy. I receive your forgiveness for all of my past. And I'm looking for the future. I believe the best is yet to come. I want to walk with you closer than I've ever walked. To walk with you. Have your way in me, Lord. Cleanse my hands from those filthy things. Cleanse my heart from those filthy things. Cleanse my eyes from those filthy things. Cleanse my ears from those filthy things. Cleanse all of me and make me whole. And I invite you, God, to walk with me, to speak to me, to direct me how to walk in your paths, how to walk close to you. I want more of you in my life. I declare this day that Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, is Lord over all. And I love him. And I want more of him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.